Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Hello again, hushlings. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our friend and confidant, Slick Frog Sanders. What is up, my dudes? Slick Frog Sanders here. Today's a big one, boys. It is. 20th episode. Welcome back, guys, to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hours 20th debriefing. 20 episodes. I can't believe we made it this far. Actually, I can't believe it. It's pretty amazing. We're we're pretty amazing. It's been quite the journey. It has been. Welcome, everybody. This is going to be a great show. We have uh, some things in store for you today. We're going to be talking about the Denver airport and the Golden Dawn. But before we jump into all that, just want to remind you of all our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, obviously, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. We're the only ones. The only ones. And Hushlings, don't forget about our YouTube where we have all the audio shorts of all our debriefings and including this one. We also have some things coming for next season that we kind of are evolving the declassified discussions. And we're taking that segment and it's going to be based strictly on just guests and interviews of all types of paranormal things. So go check that out. We are super, super close to getting 100 subscribers so we can change our name to Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour on YouTube. And we'd love for you all to help us punch through those Sims holes. We could finally become official. Yes. At long last. And one more thing. Let's not forget about our merch store, boys. We have been pumping out Many different designs. I want you to head over to hushhushsociety.bigcartel.com. We are giving away some stuff this show, so uh, stay tuned. We're going to be doing trivia. We're going to do little giveaways. We're going to have fun tonight, so uh, stay tuned, and we'll we'll get you some hush drip. And lastly, this is your your formal thank you and welcome to debriefing twenty, our second live show. Let's get right in a recap. Of season two. We had a couple of good ones, in my opinion. I'd say so. We started the season with a two-parter on the Vatican, Vatican part one and part two. It was interesting stuff to go over. We covered the landmarks of the Vatican City State. We got into the archives. That was probably my favorite part of of the whole two-parter. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, the archives possibly containing the Galileo documents of, of the trials, the Knights Templar scrolls, possibly the Grand Grimoire. Yeah, that was the craziest. Or the fact that they have the devil inside their archives. I thought the whole chronovisor idea was wicked out there and really interesting to get into. Yeah, the chronovisor was pretty crazy. And of course, there, there were the, the World War II ties that we got into. Yes, we always tie so in. many tie World Wars. How, how do you yeah. not tie it in? It's it's right there. It's right in front of you. you know? We tied so many things this season into World War Two. It's not our faults that it all it all leads there. It's not our fault. Mo- mostly Nazis. <laughs> Terrible. Not our fault. Like I said, hey, they are involved in so many different conspiracies. It's hard not to mention them. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. So it that's just where most of the roads lead, or they at least like converge at some point. In debriefing 13, we traveled to Nevada. We went to Area 51 and S4, talked about the possible UFOs or UAPs that they had. Little touch on Bob Lazar, as we usually do, and talked about him and all his work at S4. In debriefing 14, We traveled to Bohemian Grove, where all the elitists hang out the New World Order, and they determine how long the pandemic will go on, and what masks you will wear, and for how long for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) That one was my favorite, I think, one of my favorites of the season. It was just the wildest stuff of being like like a secret elitist group of people and then when you had mentioned the list of people and where you're like oh man there's there's got to be this person and that person on there and then there weren't and then there were just <laughs> um, <laughs> hundreds hundreds of randoms <laughs> so it's just 
It's a really, really interesting one. But also some very well-known names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite part about uh, the whole Bohemian Grove thing is Alex Jones going on a covert spec ops mission <laughs> in the bushes, crouching, filming these uh, these ceremonies in the in the woods in the dark. Just that picture in my head is hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Is there Secret footage mission. of that? Like, does he have footage uh, that, that's been that's been put I out? So. I really hope so. There's got to be something on YouTube about that. I know the footage that he filmed is out there, but I don't know yeah. about footage of him filming. <laughs> The footage. <laughs> Somebody's filming it. I hope so. <laughs> Him taking selfies in front of the giant flaming owl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in debriefing 15, we covered the Men in Black. That one was wild because the the story that, Frank, you, you were saying was where they were on the boat and there was like a whole UFO occurrence where it dropped leaded metal or something onto the boat and then the Men in Black showed up shortly after. Yep. There was a couple other stories we had talked about, but that one for me was like the weirdest thing. And that episode was super creepy, but it was a lot of fun to do. Debriefing 16, we I think we I think we touched a little bit on the Men in Black in there too, but we went into Hollow Earth. And a lot of people don't know, it takes a lot of work to put on some of these shows. And that episode, we had a technical problem with the first version of it, and we had to redo it on the fly. So, And it's mm. been one of our best episodes, so I'm I'm happy with it. That was a good one. Hollow Earth, yeah, is definitely one of our highest downloaded shows. <laughs> yeah. So it it um it kind of makes me excited for us to go into dare I say it, flat earth. Uh, ah, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> it was a cool one because it's just one of those really massive theories. Like you said, it, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of work and that one had a had a lot of effort put into it. So thank you, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Debriefing 17, we covered mind uploading. That one was out there. That one was yeah. fun. I enjoyed that one because we went outside the box with it. It wasn't yeah. necessarily a conspiracy, more getting into transhumanism and things that weren't so conspiracy related, more scientific, I guess. But it's super interesting. And yet another one of our episodes that pretty much took off crazy crazy amount of people were into that it blew my mind like you said it it was less about the the conspiratorial aspect of it and more just discussing the realm of possibilities with that subject that was really out there it was cool debriefing 18 we covered the titanic we were talking about the possible connection between white star line the federal reserve of course uh, the light bouncing off the moon the aurora borealis blinding (laughs) the captain and just driving it straight into the iceberg there were a lot of interesting theories behind that that one was my favorite episode Honestly, for us to really, do. it was yeah, by far one of the like overall or just of season two. Uh, it might be might be overall. I think that really? was one of the most fun really ones, yeah that we've ever done. I think it you know listening to it while we've been editing it before we put these episodes out, I find myself like belly laughing and cracking up. My stomach hurts. <laughs> so like if mm. I'm if I'm laughing at some of our jokes, then <laughs> I don't know. I thought that one was comical, but. There wasn't anything comical about it. It was the most natural feeling thing for me for an episode that we've ever done. And I think it had the some of the craziest conspiracy theories, like an actual like core conspiracy theories. Obviously, since we've done like something like JFK. Of season one and season two, speaking of JFK, JFK, I think was our I think it was one of the greatest episodes that we did. It was the two parter. We went deep, deep into it. There was a lot of revelation to it, but. The Titanic, yeah, as you said, is kind of, uh, it's one of those baseline conspiracy theories, and there's a lot of foundation to it. It was a fun episode, for sure. I love the Aurora Borealis. <laughs> there's some out there stuff with that Titanic subject, man. There is Swamp some gas. Yeah. <laughs> it's the gravitational pull of the moon. Yeah. That's what did it in. Pulled the iceberg right into the side of that hole. Boom. Done deal. And then the SS California was just, it was just coinky dink, you know? Like yeah, it was just chilling. Yeah. For our 19th debriefing, if you tuned in to us 
two weeks ago, we covered Antarctic bases. Again, we talked about the Nazis. I think we talked about the Nazis in Titanic as well. (laughs) Yeah, the the German U-boats. Yep. Yep. Um, We we flew uh, uh, whales across the the Antarctic (laughs) in, in, in giant weather balloons. (laughs) <laughs> from from Whoville, you know, with our friend Hans, we lowered them into holes. No, that was a good one, man. That <laughs> Antarctic bases was our uh, also a a pretty fun one because I, I really I re- it's really compelling some of the stuff that in that episode we talked about civilizations that might not exist anymore like uh, Atlantis and we mentioned Agartha again. If you haven't caught that, listen to Hollow Earth and you'll you'll hear a little bit about it. But that was a good one. Well, that does it for our season two wrap up. Let us know what what was your favorite episode of season two. If you have any of those great moments that you remember from the season, please tell us about them. As it is right now, we are going to jump into our show officially. We're going to start talking the Denver airport. What is going on there, boys? Can't wait to land. My mom told me today, actually, that on her way back, on a vacation of visiting out here, she uh, had a layover at the Denver airport. And I was like, oh, did you look at anything around? She went, nah. <laughs> nah. 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 We're good. Was- Denver International Airport is an international airport in the western United States, primarily serving metropolitan Denver, Colorado. At 52.4 square miles, it's the largest airport in North America by land area. And the second largest in the world behind King Fahd International Airport in Saudi Arabia. Now, before we move on, I have a quick little tidbit that I uh, I recently found out. So, uh, the the King Fahd International Airport is roughly five times the size of Denver International Airport. Wow. Jeez. Okay, so. That's interesting in itself. Absolutely wild. You know how the Saudis do. Mm. But what was worth noting is that the Denver International Airport uses more fuel than the King Fahd Airport. So they have less volume, but they use more fuel in total. You're talking like aviation fuel? Like planes? Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around that a little bit. Just, yeah, like aviation fuel. Denver's a busier airport than that airport, but that airport's larger. So the system at Denver at Denver International Airport can pump a thousand gallons of jet fuel per minute, and it uses twenty eight miles worth of pipes to do it. <laughs> and its six fuel tanks hold two point seven three million gallons. That in itself is that's very suspect. How are you five times smaller than the largest airport in the world? But you use more fuel. Black projects. Ah. Mm-hmm. Little suspect. Sus. <laughs> the airport opened in 1995 and currently has nonstop service to 215 destinations amongst 23 different airlines throughout North America, Latin America, Europe, and Asia. It is the fourth airport in the U.S. to exceed 200 destinations. Now, if you guys haven't heard, Frank's second job is for Southwest Airlines pitching you for flights. <laughs> yeah, hit me up for that discount code. I can get you bundle packages for peanuts and refreshments on the low. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The airport is the hub for both United Airlines, Frontier Airlines, and home base for, you guessed it, Southwest Airlines. Uh, hey. With over 35,000 employees, the airport is the largest employer in Colorado. The airport is located on the western edge of the Great Plains and near the Rocky Mountains. If you don't know where Denver is, you probably live under a rock. Isn't that where Coors comes from? Somewhere right there. It's a golden Colorado, right? Yeah. Somewhere around that area. If you're from Colorado, I'm sorry. My geography of (laughs) central Colorado is pretty, pretty bad. In September 1989, Denver Mayor Federico Pena and federal officials authorized the outlay of the first $60 million project, that's equivalent to $124 million today, for the construction of the airport. Two years later, a short two years later, Mayor Wellington Webb inherited the mega project scheduled to open on October 29th, 1993. 
On February 28th, 1995, Denver International Airport opened to the public at last. Its design was extremely new and modern with its striking tented roof structure and technologically advanced operations. It's pretty cool looking. Have you seen pictures of it? I mean, if you've flown into Denver, you know what it looks like, but... Honestly, it kind of looks like you're going to some sort of music festival. Yeah, Yeah. I wanted to say it looks like some weird show at like Coachella or something. I don't know. (laughs) Coachella Airport. It's a rave. Everybody everybody that's gone to Coachella that's like a diehard fan is like, you motherfuckers. I don't know what Coachella looks like. (laughs) It looks looks like like what Coachella sounds like. (laughs) Better yet. So some of the most striking things about this airport, if you haven't been through it, and I personally haven't, but I've seen a plethora of pictures and video and all this other fun jazz, is the artwork that's in this airport. It's really strange. And one particular piece of artwork that we're going to talk about in all of the airport's 40 pieces of public art, it's most notably uh, the colorful 20-foot wide mural by artist Leo Taguma, and it's called Nota Denver, and gargoyle sculptures near the east and west baggage claim, and the Mustang sculpture, sculpture aka Big Blue Horse or Blucifer. Near Peña, yeah, near Peña Boulevard are clues to a sinister influence at the airport. Alternatively, credit to the Illuminati, Freemasons, which I doubt Freemasons are the sinister force, but New World Order or even, hey guys, Nazi. Had to do it to him. I mean, they do say that the, uh, what is it, the runways mark out uh, a swastika? So I looked into that and it's like, you got to be looking for it. Like, it's not... It's not as hardcore as like Coronado in San Diego, where you see that building out there. Yeah, okay. Like, I guess you got to be looking for it, but it's like no other airport uses a runway structure like that. And it's like, no. it really does resemble a swastika kind of a little bit. Well, I mean, that building in, Cor- <laughs> that building in Coronado in San Diego, California, is a, that, that is a, that is a, that's a swastika, dude. Like, like <laughs> that's, and it's like government property or something. So pretty wild. Back to the artwork. So there are two murals, and they are located in the east and west baggage claims outside of the Great Hall of the airport. Each mural is split into two pieces, which are separated by doorways. You just said the Great Hall. That just the sounds, Great Hall. Yeah, that just sounds like something at like, Coachella. <laughs> no, it sounds it, it sounds like something like you'd have with like the Illuminati. Like we have the Great Hall. The architect who designed the airport, actually, he was the one that named it the Great Hall. He wanted it called the Great Hall, so he was fully all about it. He thought that it was going to be like the crowning achievement of his entire design. It probably was. It's, it's like a long circus tent with like a bunch of spires. <laughs> That's why I guess the Coachella reference makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Now we're at Burning Man. Uh, <laughs> the first mural is called... In Peace and Harmony with Nature, which is said to symbolize environmental destruction versus environmental healing. It's located in the West Side Baggage Claim. The first section of this mural by Tenguma shows a brightly colored horrific scene of trees burning in the background, animals in glass cages, a girl lying in a coffin, and young people fleeing the scene while crying. But in the second section of the mural we see a diverse number of children and animals coming together around a futuristic plant. There is also a letter in the mural that reads, I was once a little child who longed for other worlds, but I am no more a child, for I have known fear. I have learned to hate. How tragic then is youth, which lives with enemies, with with gallows ropes, yet I still believe I only sleep today and that I'll wake up a child again and start to laugh and play. That's creepy, right? That's weird, man. If you're listening right now, look up this picture and it's two large pictures. And the first one we're talking about, you can see the, the letter that's right there. And it's just kind of a piece of paper that's it's not the focal point, but it is because you have to get up next to it to read it. And for me to accurately read it, I had to like squint all the way up to actually get what it was saying. <laughs> but once you once you read it, you're like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like You're like, I'm in an airport. This isn't supposed to be ominous. There's not supposed to be. I'm supposed to be getting from one place to another, having a drink on a flight, having a couple biscuits or a sandwich, 
and that's it. Not trying to look at scenes of death and destruction like while I'm I'm going from one plane to another. Yeah, that'd be pretty unsettling. You're on an overlay and then you get on your next plane and then this is all you can think about for your entire flight. Like that's that's just weird. That's one thing when it comes to the artwork that is happening in the in the airport, that's the one thing that I question is like, okay, you want to make an artistic statement and they they kind of say it's you know, we, we gave free reign to any artist that wanted to put their art in there. But why? Why that? Why do you want scenes of war and death and destruction? <laughs> and even part of it is like planes going down. I'm in a fucking airport ready to fly. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm seeing, like, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. You're, you're sitting there, again, understanding the, the artistic freedom there. But, ugh. It's stressful enough to fly. Now you're sitting below this mural. That <laughs> it's like, hey, uh, get ready for the end of the world. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. Well, I guess <laughs> if it's in the baggage claim, you've already, you're at your yeah. destination. You just got to wait like a week or so. Or unless you, if you got home, <laughs> then you're all good. But if, you, if you're on vacation in Denver, you're going to be like, well, here we go. <laughs> dwelling you know? in your head all week. Welcome to Denver. <laughs> Holy Jesus, man. The second mural is titled Children of the World Dream of Peace. Dude, still this is this is this is heavy. This is heavy dope for an airport. It depicts a war versus peace theme. And it was previously located in the East Side baggage claim. I wonder if they moved it. I wonder if they like hmm. picked it up and just peeled it off the wall and <laughs> In the first section of this mural, a gas-masked soldier wreaks havoc with a gun and a sword. There is also a caravan of refugees trudging onward away from him, a hiding child with a teddy bear, a dead child in someone's arms, and ruins everywhere. Sweet, dude. Like, that's... It gets better. It gets better. Welcome to Denver. And meanwhile, I'm just trying to eat my Cinnabon on my layover. (laughs) (laughs) Having a grand old time. Uh, In the second section of the mural, there is celebration of many young people with the same soldier dead. Doves rest on his body, and his sword is being disassembled by a kid with a hammer. Not only are these pieces quite weird, especially to be used in airport art, but both have unsuspectingly fueled speculation that the Denver International Airport is part of a larger conspiracy centered around a group known as the NWO, or New World Order. Not only do we have these massive murals that depict very strange things, but we also have a fake skull that's on display in the Conspiracy Theories Uncovered Gallery at the Denver International Airport. The skull was made by employees and planted during the construction of the airport hotel and transportation center. So they have an actual a whole museum within the airport about conspiracy theories about the airport <laughs> yeah they they just had to fully embrace it like this isn't something that they could have just denied because it would have made them work look worse than just full-heartedly embracing it so it seems <laughs> <laughs> like you look ridiculous if you get up on a podium and you say that there's nothing going on at this airport like if you took one good solid walk around you would know that that person was full of shit so they they had no other choice but to embrace it there's so many clues. <laughs> the, the, the posters everywhere. I love that where they've oh, started the, embracing the the conspiracy yeah. theory. Oh, what's going on in our tunnels? And it shows like a reptilian. And it's like, yeah. if you know anything about psychology or reverse psychology. You're literally showing uh, somebody truth. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that saying, you know, the, the greatest trick the devil ever played. It's the same shit. Yeah. You're essentially saying, yeah, we know that you know, (laughs) but we're going to act like you don't know and pretend that we know that you don't. It's you're waiting for your you're waiting for your Southwest connection going from one one area to another in the terminal down below. And you're just (laughs) waiting and you see just like a normal subway system and you see a poster with a gray alien holding a latte so it's normalized and you're just like yeah this is whatever oh there's a starbucks in concourse three you know like <laughs> you know? and you could probably get served that's that coffee by that gray alien and you wouldn't even know yeah it's conditioning it's much mm. like like the slow disclosure of ufos it's gonna mm. reach a point where you know you give them a little bit you give them a little bit you give them a little bit and then when you hit them with the big stuff it's like eh. Yeah, 
this is whatever. If tomorrow the the rep from Denver International Airport got in front of the camera and said, look, below us is the the center of all that is nefarious. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Draco reptilians are planning to wipe out the entire planet just just a mere 20 feet below my feet currently everybody would watch that and go yeah yeah kind of saw that coming fair enough (laughs) whatever if there was something about the new world order and tunnels and reptilians and aliens we haven't done a conspiracy like an other conspiracy episode on reptilians because for some of you you hate alien (laughs) conspiracies and hate listening to our alien conspiracy episode no i'm just but apparently nobody wants to hear about aliens they want to hear about it from the pentagon but they don't want to hear about it from us do they want to they hear about it from the pentagon no, they don't even do want they? to hear from the pentagon what are you talking about they don't care nobody cares That's about not aliens real. no it's not real <laughs> i would love to do more alien episodes if you guys everybody send us what species or race of alien you want us to cover because if you want us to do lizard people we can do a lot more new world order shit I'm into lizard people. Yeah, and I'm down with that. And that's 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 what goes on. With David Ike, finish up that book. Let's talk about the Illuminati. The Illuminati, huh? We'll do one. We'll do. We'll do. We have one planned, actually. You guys, you guys are in for it. The Illuminati. There are many theories about who built the Denver airport, boys. One of the most persistent theories is that the airport was built by the New World Order with ties to Nazism. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> It wouldn't be a Hush Hush Society conspiracy episode <laughs> without talking Nazis. Before before we get into this whole Nazism, New World Order thing, I do want to say there is some weird other things going on at the airport. There is a dedication plaque at the airport's south entrance near the Westin Hotel, if you're staying there right now. <laughs> Go check it out. It's dated March 19th, 1994, contains a time capsule and bears the symbol of the Freemasons, as well as a reference to the New World Airport Commission. Just want to say that. Which doesn't exist. Which doesn't exist. So why would you reference it? New World just kind of gives it away. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Again, now, now, and this is the thing. So this was put in with a Freemason symbol etched into stone. Okay? This is stone. Stone. It's not it's not a sign, it's not it's not a plaque. It's 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 in stone. So you have this Freemason symbol etched into stone. Talks about the New World uh Airport Commission, which doesn't exist. And this was all before people had the conspiracy about the airport. So it's not like the posters that they've hung up with the with the construction. Oh yeah, what are we doing below? No. It this this was put there before the conspiracy. So hmm. It's not like it was a joke. Something very interesting about that date that Dave just said. Have you guys seen this? Have you heard about this? (laughs) March 19th, 1994, right? One plus nine plus one plus nine plus nine plus four. 1994. March 19th, 1994. All those numbers added up. Equate to 33. Thirty-three is the highest degree that you can reach in Freemasonry. Correct me if I'm wrong, any any Freemasons out there. So that date is just kind of like the mark of perfection, which just kind of further pushes that theory. I just thought that was interesting. Slip that in real quick. And already the number number three is a symbolic thing. The the whole numbers adding up with a conspiracy thing, it's never really done it for me, but that one in particular, it it lines up kind of nicely. It's weird. But a lot Mm -hmm. of conspiracies are based in numerology, so Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Is it coincidence or is it just – or is it purposeful? Mm -hmm. What do you say back to the NWO? Yeah, sorry. I just had to – I had No, it's okay. I, I, I got you. The theory goes with the NWO to say that the airport's runways are built to resemble a swastika from above. However, looking at photographs of the runway's configuration, it seems as though they don't really resemble that shape in particular unless you're really looking for it. Mm. Go ahead, check it out yourself. See what you think. Maybe having that idea in mind beforehand might further push you to think that it does look like that, but... Try to be open-minded. Yeah. 
You know, it's too bad that we don't have anybody listening that knows about uh, airways and runways and airplanes and stuff. Dude, I work for Southwest Airlines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But maybe it's uh, set up in a way to d- allow planes to land at the same time well, as taking off. You know, it's like a that's what they for say. Direction. I heard something about no matter the weather conditions um, that they can take off from various directions. You know, to kind of they they don't deal with as many delays that way or something. I don't know. That has some validity because out here at the airport that's local here, depending on the weather, they flip flop which way they land and come in. So I guess but we do have some people listening. Definitely we have some other podcaster friends. We got some infinite rabbit hole guys that are listening <laughs> and they, they know aircraft, so they might they might want uh, I, just, uh, I just see Jeremy go, um <laughs> Yes, Jeremy, I was specifically speaking to you. Yes. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> I saw it. So it doesn't help that the airport's dedication marker credits the organization called the New World Airport Commission for building it. This may seem like a coincidence, but it was discovered that such an organization doesn't actually exist, as we said, um, according to the airport's website itself. So why would you credit it? People have... <laughs> <laughs> People have also noted strange markings on buildings, which are believed to be connected to the New World Order. Hmm. I I wanna I wanna take a moment. Let's let's just take a moment because we got we got some people joining in. I, I'm all for it. Um. Let's give away some stickers. You want to do some stickers? You want to do? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do? Stickers? You want to do a coffee mug? What do you want to do? Let's do stickers. Flip a coin. Start, flip yeah, a coin. flip a coin. You got a coin? Flip a coin. I, I, I don't have a coin. <laughs> I just so happen to have this NWO coin. Ah, <laughs> fancy. It's got Draco reptilians on one side and poor people on the other. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't have a coin. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, it can only apply to those that are participating in our StreamYard chat or the Facebook chat. I'm going to do a little quick randomizer. I'm sorry I can't share the randomizer with you guys. I wish I could. Our screen does not allow it. I do want to say that the one thing that I did look up is that a lot of people were talking about the the strange markings on these buildings. So a lot of people might not know what certain languages look like, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of the markings and its actual written language on the buildings is actually like it's actually Navajo language of like some of the I believe the artists of some of the artwork that's within <laughs> in in the actual building so hmm. it's or dedicated to the area in general but I think it to the untrained eye I mean you would probably say that that's not, I have no idea what that is so it's the same thing if you'd see probably if you've never if you've only seen one form of writing Sorry, I got to interrupt you. Uh, Jason, you won the coffee mug, but then you talk shit saying that it's conspiracy to commit fraudulent raffles. So I'm just going to spin it again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, Jason. You get a you get a mug. (laughs) Uh, All right, go on. Sorry. Sorry, Dave. I just had to let Jason know he won a cool, cool mug. They, they look like nice mugs. I don't actually have one myself, and I'd really like to have one. Oh, they're nice, man. Coffee yeah. tastes better out of these mugs, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frank got a cool mug. I did. I believe, you know, it's funny because I think that Jason actually bought one of the mugs. Was he, Jason, did you buy a mug? If so, I'll send you the other mug. <laughs> Let's mosey on with our show. Sorry to interrupt. Just wanted to give some people some stuff. Yeah. About it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We we can't talk about the the new world order without the Illuminati. And don't worry, hushlings, we're gonna go into depth about the Illuminati. But this is the Illuminati with the Denver Airport and their lovely terminals. So as we said about the new world order and Nazis, rumors about the many unmarked buildings and underground areas on the property are still afoot. 
I would say. You're thinking, what's going on with some of these buildings? And the theory is, is that a time capsule is buried on the property and it buries the symbol of the Freemasons, which is linked to the Illuminati. It's, it's like a trifecta, you know, the, the pyramid. Three. Oh, three sides. Guys, that's it. That's it. Yeah, 33. We figured it out. We're done. <laughs> figured it out. <laughs> Solved the case. <laughs> One of the main reasons why this conspiracy theory has so much staying power is because the airport was much more expensive than originally projected. So how was the airport completed? Oh, thanks to your very rich benefactors. (laughs) Deep pockets, boy. Conspiracy theorists, or hushlings, point to Illuminati money which some believe was used to finish the Denver airport's construction in exchange for the secret society using the property. According to the airport's website, rumors say that the first few buildings on the property were not built properly, but instead of demolishing them, the airport simply buried them and built more buildings on top. <laughs> so I'm saying air, unmarked buildings in, air, in underground areas, man. It's like, that room was a foot too short. We don't need it. Just bury it. <laughs> like, really? That's your way of fixing the entire problem? Is just burying it? Oh, no, we're actually not burying it. We're putting a roof on it, and we're going to use it. A dirt roof. No idea. All right, so in all fairness, from a person who has worked construction, I would say that if you were building massive concrete structures, much like tunnels, and something went wrong or it couldn't be used or whatever the hell it would be nobody's going to go in with a sledgehammer and start chipping away at it and say okay we got to start over of course they're just going to build on top of it (laughs) touche fill it in and fill it in and keep going yeah and and a little uh factoid for you in case you're listening uh seattle is actually built on top of the old seattle i know that's random but have there been any excavations of that can you prove this you can actually travel under the city of Seattle on an oh, yeah, underground tour. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Moving on, sorry. I can't wait to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's cool. be a lot of fun. Speaking of underground tunnels. Speaking of underground tunnels. Speaking of Seattle, I think the three of us are going to Seattle this year, and we're going to hunt for Bigfoot in the woods. <laughs> Come hang out with me in the Northwest. Yep. Uh, if you're if you're in the Seattle area, come Meet see up us. with us. But you're not going to see our faces. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> We're going to wear masks the entire time and drink, entire drink Starbucks coffee. Yeah, the entire time. We got to come up with some sort of like auto blur camouflage, like active <laughs> thing. Actively hologram uh, blurs out our faces. I'm just going to tattoo a face over my face. Yo, do Bill Cosby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Make all my friends go to sleep. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all right, so, we're way off the rails. <laughs> yeah, you know, so let's get back on the rails, back down to our underground tunnels. Rumors surrounding the apocalypse are probably some of the biggest conspiracy theories about the airport. There are underground tunnels in the airport, including a train that runs between concourses, a defunct automatic baggage system. But the true nature of the tunnels is to believe be more, you know, evil. But this baggage system is pretty wild, too. Yeah, it's like some stuff out of like a bad Pixar movie. I don't know. It's weird. A lot of moving parts. <laughs> it's like some Dr. Seuss stuff. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Weird. Some have theorized that the tunnels also contain underground bunkers, possibly built by the, the, the reptilians or aliens. And these bunkers will serve as a safe place for the world's elite during the apocalypse. <laughs> what? <laughs> just the way you said that. I just couldn't. I mean. No. Oh, come on. It's it, no, it's perfect. It was. It was perfect. It was just. It was just oh, thank you, ancient aliens. I always think about it. So but possibly. David Childress, if you're hearing this, we need you. We're trying, man. We're trying. Uh, Declassified discussions. According to some, these tunnels will be used in the future to house political prisoners. It has also been theorized that these tunnels are being used by the United States government to perform electromagnetic experiments, with one such experiment citing that in a single day, the windshields of 14 aircraft cracked or broke. That's a strange finding, and I, I feel like that just doesn't happen. You know, just out of the blue. Yeah. No, yeah. it doesn't. 
According to the Denver Post, other theories say that the tunnels directly lead to the North American Aerospace Defense Command, or NORAD, which is located only about 100 miles south of the airport in Colorado Springs. Interesting. Hmm. Well, one of the theories was always that it was supposed to be some sort of doomsday bunker under there also. It would make sense if you have these tunnel systems. Who really knows how far they go? The airport just continuously keeps growing, but it could possibly reach NORAD, and that link makes sense. But why would it keep growing? You gotta house You gotta house more people. True, true. Mm. So. Let's talk about this baggage system real quick because we had mentioned this. And like you said, a bad Pixar movie. Okay, so real quick, have you seen that video of that ski lift? I think it's in Italy. That's like throwing people like when they get to the bottom, it's just like throwing them around off the bottom of the ski lift. So this is what this is what reminds me of this baggage system. Delays caused by poor planning, obviously, and repeated design changes due to changing requirements from United Airlines caused Mayor Webb to push the opening day back. First, it was in December 93, and then to March 1994. By September 1993, delays due to a strike and other events meant opening day was pushed back again to May 15, 1994. In April 1994, the city invited reporters to observe the first test of their new automated baggage system. Reporters saw clothing and other personal items scattered beneath the system's tracks <laughs> while... <laughs> can, you, can you imagine... Just, just seeing... luggage flying all over the place. Can you imagine just seeing luggage, like your your clothes just... Oh no, like that's the whole United 626 flight. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> clothes are luggage cheap. Luggage was just flying from belt to belt. Can you can you imagine it was all over the place? The claims from Denver International Airport. It's like, where'd my oh. luggage go? Oh, it's it's in the bellows. <laughs> <laughs> Our minimum wage workers mixed your uh, your baggage with six other people's <laughs> yeah. baggage because it went all over the ground. It's like one of those things where you <laughs> where you lie to somebody. And you're like, oh, it should have been there. Uh, you sure it's not on the <laughs> conveyor belt? You sure you labeled I, it correctly? <laughs> I I swear we we checked it in on the aircraft. <laughs> Have it's you just... seen the videos of them doing this stuff? <laughs> that the actual luggage being moved on these uh, yeah tracks. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like set to Benny Hill music. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like the Amazon warehouse, dude. <laughs> There's one more thing that we touched on. Lucifer. So it's a blue Mustang, also known as Lucifer is a 32-foot fiberglass sculpture by Luis Jimenez located along Pena Boulevard. It's actually inspired by the sculptor Mustaño at the University of Oklahoma, but sinister events surrounding the sculpture have fueled conspiracy theories for years. People point to the statue's glowing red eyes as a nod to the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, though the artist once said that the red color was in honor of the wild spirit of the American West. Yeah, okay. <laughs> It doesn't help that Jimenez actually died two years before that the piece was completed when the statue fell on him and severed an artery in his leg. Kind of looks like the Denver Bronco, so. That's probably why they actually put it in. I mean, it does have glowing red eyes. And 32 feet, that's a pretty big sculpture. Yeah, yeah. And the, the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, there is kind of a connection there, I guess, with the murals. I mean, there's it's clearly apocalyptic paintings inside the airport. So, little, a couple things that connect for sure. All right. I well, think I think that's going to do it for the Denver airport. What do you think? We're about to depart. Let's depart. Let's get out of this, yeah. get out of this mess. Creepy airport. They lost yeah. my luggage. <laughs> yeah, they lost my luggage and I saw some crazy shit on the wall. Bad experience. Nightmares and... Pocket devastation to, to the wallet. <laughs> yeah. Hushlings will return after this short message. Welcome to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Let us be your hosts and your guides through the world of the strange and the misunderstood. There is an entire world that parallels our own, and with your help, we can uncover the truth and break the walls of our dimension to expose the reality that lies on the fringe of our existence. Follow us into the worlds of science fiction, cryptozoology, the paranormal, extraterrestrial, fringe medicine, psychological anomalies, and everything in between. 
Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, strap in, hang tight, and open your eyes, ears, and minds as we dive into the infinite realm. Greetings, Hustlings. I'm Slick Frank Sanders. Thank you so much for tuning into our Season 2 finale. I'm here to let you know that we'll be blazing right into Season 3's premiere with a 420 special. That's right folks, we will be talking ganja. Did you know when Thomas Jefferson drafted the Declaration of Independence, he did so on hemp? Not only that, but for more than a century, most US ships had their sails and ropes made from hemp. So what happened? How did it become the devil's lettuce and so taboo? We'll get into the nitty gritty as to why William Hurst was so threatened by the hemp industry. You can also expect to hear about Secretary of State Andrew Mellon and his mischievous motives to get the crop banned and criminalized. And might I say we might even get a little bit blunt about Big Pharma and their issues with the plant. Make sure you tune in to Season 3's premiere Monday, April 19th for the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour's take on marijuana conspiracies. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Move on to the dawn. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, or the Golden Dawn, was a secret society devoted to the study and practice of the occult, metaphysics, and paranormal activities during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Known as a magical order, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn was active in Great Britain and focused its practices in theology and spiritual development. Many present-day concepts of ritual and magic that are at the center of contemporary traditions such as Wicca and Thelema were inspired by the Golden Dawn, which became one of the largest single influences on 20th century Western occultism. Let's talk about the folks that started this. The three founders, William Robert Woodman, William Wynn Westcott. <laughs> Jesus, bro. <laughs> What's your name? WWW. <laughs> he made the internet. Yeah, yeah. The internet before the internet. He just had like a, he actually wore the tinfoil hat connected to everybody. And Samuel Little Mathers, they were all Freemasons. So the Golden Dawn system was based on a hierarchy and initiation like the Masonic Lodges. However, women were admitted on an equal basis with men. So as promised, we failed to find a female secret society <laughs> other than anything that had to do with witchcraft or not drinking. And if you do have one, please enlighten us because we'd love, we've waited months for to find this and look this up. And this is the one we got. The Golden Dawn was the first of three orders, although all three are often collectively referred to as the collective Golden Dawn. So I have to say something before all this. I had a thought after doing a little bit of research on this. Have you guys played the video game The Order 1886? No. Okay. So real quick, it's a game that takes place around the same time that this started and a lot of things like verbiage, like The Order, but they, they're using like hyper futuristic sci-fi weapons in it and some magical stuff mm. in it too. It, it's a very strange game. It bored me to death. Sorry, whoever made it. But <laughs> I just want to say, I feel like that this game is loosely written off of what we were about to talk about. Oh, shit. Mm. For the first four years, the Golden Dawn was one cohesive group, later known as the First Order, or Outer Order. A Second Order, or Inner Order, was established and became active in 1892. These guys were creative. The First Order, yeah, yeah, yeah they're just pulling shit out of a hat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Dude, these secret societies, uh, they, they never fail to impress me with their creativity. <laughs> The First Order taught esoteric philosophy based on Hermetic Kabbalah and the personal development through study and awareness of the four classical elements, as well as the basics of astrology, tarot, and geomancy. The Second or Inner Order taught magic, including scrying, astral travel, and alchemy, and consisted of members known as adepts, who had completed the entire course of study for the First Order. The Second Order was formally established under the name the Order of the Red Rose and the Golden Cross. Mm. 
The third order was that of the, quote, secret chiefs, who were said to be highly skilled. They supposedly directed the activities of the lower two orders by spirit communication with the chiefs of the second order. This is based off of Freemasonry. Didn't we talk about there being a possible link to Freemasonry in the Knights Templar? Talking about the, the Red Rose and the Golden Cross. I mean, those are some pretty big symbols in yeah. that time period. Especially the Order of the Red Rose. That was a pretty prevalent esoteric group. A lot of people call it bullshit, but eh, it's each their own, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple manuscripts that show the outlines, the specific outlines of, of the rituals of the orders. And prescribe pretty much the curriculum and graduated teachings that encompass the Hermetic Kabbalah, astrology, like we said, tarot card reading, geomancy, and alchemy. Like I said, I feel like we're talking about like an Elder Scrolls game. It's <laughs> definitely what it, what it comes <laughs> off as. In cryptography, the tabula recta is a square table of alphabets, each row of which is made by shifting the previous one to the left. The term was invented by the German author and monk Johannes Trometheus in 1508. Now, this is just another another jab at Elder Scrolls. They've got those crazy puzzles where you're shifting things and turning them all crazy and it opens a door, you know, all the crazy. There's crazy ciphers. I don't know. I'm just laughing over here. You guys don't hear this because we edit this out, but <laughs> 90% of the hard to pronounce words we give to Frank. So <laughs> yeah, man. It's not on purpose either. It really isn't. It just, it's not on it purpose. It just happens. Be like that. In 1888, the Isis Arana Temple was founded in London, as well as the Osiris Temple in Weston Supermare, the Horus Temple in Bradford, the Amun Ra Temple in Edinburgh, and the Ahathor Temple in Paris in 1893 were founded. This guy's got around. Mm. Uh, talking about the super chiefs or the secret chiefs that we mentioned, some followers of the Golden Dawn tradition believe that the secret chiefs were not human or supernatural beings, but rather symbolic representations of actual or legendary sources of spiritual esotericism. The term came to stand for a great leader or teacher of a spiritual path or practice that found its way into the teachings of the order. Supernatural beings, huh? That that kind of goes like real left field in a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of the way that like some of these secret societies go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because they're usually I don't want to say pretty grounded, but but more so than this. Yeah, they don't have like I guess entities that they think that they have communicated with. I guess it's more uh, of just uh, like giant owls in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's some pretty prominent members. That you may have not heard of, but some of us may have heard of. The number one person that you may have heard of that was a member of this secret society was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. If you haven't heard of him, he wrote Sherlock Holmes. He was also a doctor, a scientist, and a spiritualist. The Irish poet and Nobel Prize winner William Butler Yeats was also involved in the early days of Golden Dawn. Yeats! Yeats! <laughs> We're both on it. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't fucking help it. <laughs> Author Bram Stoker, he's stoked to be a part of this, was, be <laughs> was believed to be a member of Golden Dawn due to his interest in the supernatural. Again, kind of weird. As well as his friendship with many Golden Dawn members. There's also an Irish actress, Florence Farr, who was very involved with the group and became a chief adept. So, higher members. Magic lady! <laughs> If we're getting into the Golden Dawn, we can't forget about the Alpha at Omega. The Alpha at Omega was an occult order initially named the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, co-founded in London, England by Samuel Lydon McGregor Mathers. This happened in 1888. The Alpha at Omega was one of the four daughter organizations into which the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn broke off into. The others being Stella Matutina, the Isis Urena Temple. Ooh, a rebellion of adepts in London and an ensuing public scandal, which brought the name of the Golden Dawn into shame. Mathers renamed the branch of the Golden Dawn, remaining loyal to his leadership to Alpha at Omega, sometime between 1903 and 1913. 
According to some sources, its full name was Rosicrucian Order of Alpha et Omega. Dude, that's a lot of moving around for one society for only kicking it for like 30 years. Isn't that how you stay secret? Keep it moving? Mm. Maybe, maybe, yeah, just keep it moving. So we have all the same names like Illuminati, NWO, it's all the same thing. It's just yeah. U.S. government. Just- Changing same thing. names. <laughs> yes, government. <laughs> <laughs> but am I kidding? All of the temples of the order appear to have gone out of existence by the Second World War. And we back up a bit. And in 1913, there were temples in the United States, actually. There was the Theme Temple, which is number eight in Chicago. The Thoth Herms Temple, number nine in New York. And the Neath Temple, number 10 in Los Angeles. Also in New York. Mm. Sorry. Two in New York. You guys get both, just like all your sports teams. (laughs) Three other American temples of the Alpha at Omega were founded after the First World War. The Ta, number 10 in Philadelphia in 1919, Atuum, number 20 in Los Angeles in 1920, and Themis, number 30 in San Francisco in 1921. That's a lot. Of the, the names are very interesting too. Yeah, you know? it's there's heavy Egyptian like Toth. Toth is he was like what was he the the scribe? You know he would like write down the information. He he kept he kept the uh, the history like the bookkeeper. It is very odd, very very weird with the names, but it's it seems very heavily Egyptian. While no temples in the original chartered lineage of the Golden Dawn survived past the 1970s, several organizations have since revived its teachings and rituals. Among these, the following are notable. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Incorporated. (laughs) (laughs) Never surprised me, man. They're so creative. LLC. Yeah. And Open Source Order of the Golden Dawn. They've gone public. They they went public and became corporations. (laughs) Yeah. We're secret and we want your money. (laughs) That wraps up the Golden Dawn. Let's talk our final thoughts and wrap up this season two live show. Dave, final thoughts. There's something going on at Denver Airport, whether it might just be tunnels from a baggage system that yeets your shit across (laughs) the a chasm of of nothing or it's a link to some larger network of underground tunnels which we've mentioned in hollow earth we kind of started to talk about it and we talked about it a little bit in antarctica of hypothetically if there would be a massive chasm cavern system underground that some government could be utilizing or some race or alien species could be utilizing i think the denver airport is definitely really alluring and I really think that there's something going on there. I mean, that the paintings and the symbols and everything else. I mean, it's it's like unless somebody's just playing a sick joke on everybody, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Of all the things that tie in, especially the the dark stuff. And then Golden Dawn, interesting stuff to find out. Like, just it's almost like music with these secret societies. There's like a subgenre of a genre. And and they just do like a certain portion of a major secret society or an actual community of people. And the fact that they're back and they've incorporated, it's made, it leads me to believe like what's actually going on with, with them. And could possibly there be certain connections between both of these topics? I personally will also say I think there's more than meets the eye. A little Transformers reference for you. Uh, at Denver Airport. It's massively over budget when it was done being built. The tunnel systems underneath. And and, a, and an interesting fact that I forgot to mention. If you look at, um, at a map that shows where missing persons are and you lay it over the United States, there is a high concentration right near the airport. Now, I don't know if that's just because it's Denver or, you know, it's next to a big city or if it has anything to do with the the underground cavern systems that are that line throughout the United States or if it has anything to do with the airport itself. I honestly think that there's more to it. I think that there's more going on. I think when they are putting stuff in your face, such as posters and whatnot, it's kind of laughing in your face. And that sort of stuff is, that's what the Illuminati, the NWO, all that, that is exactly what they do. That's what they're known for. They 
throw it in your face. It's it's kind of like a mocking thing. And that that's one thing about these secret societies is that they can't hide who they are. They have to show you who they are. And I think that's one of those things that they're doing. They're just putting up these posters and they're, they're pretty much admitting what's going on or they're admitting that there is something going on just without admitting it. Um, as far as the Golden Dawn... Yeah, definitely one of our more cultish, esoteric, magical secret societies that we've talked about, uh, groups that we've talked about. Very, very interesting stuff. I'm always into the the magic of things, so um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, very cool. I wish I could find out more. I looked for days to find out more about some of the things that they did when it comes to alchemy and, and magic and geomancy and all the other stuff, and I couldn't find much, and that's why it's secret. They did a good job. They did job. a good job. Frank? Final thoughts? Frank's final thought. Before I even get into the final thoughts of the conspiratorial aspect of the Denver airport, I would just like to... I'd like to make a prediction that the engineers that produced the idea of the baggage system were smoking crack. <laughs> uh, but besides that, I think there's something going on at the Denver airport. I do. Because before they even finished the construction of the airport itself, people were already coming up with conspiracies about the, the, the airport itself, mostly because it was so late and uh, so past budget. I do believe that there are multiple story buildings and even possibly bunkers and are connected with the tunnels underneath the airport. I think there's more to it than just crazy baggage shoots uh, and ladders. As far the, the most surprising thing to me, it's not even the uh, the crazy artwork, which, like you said, it it really nudges towards the mockery of say the NWO or the Illuminati to the public. That's not even what throws me off. It's it's the statue out front. The fact that the statue killed its maker and then and then they put it up in front of this uh, in front of this airport just crazy to me. But yeah, no, I, I think there's something there's something else going on besides airplanes taking off. I don't think it's the Nazis. <laughs> but Hans it's Yeah. Yeah, it's it's there's something off. As far as the Golden Dawn, like you said, definitely different than the other secret societies we've touched up on. Uh I think it was cool that we covered something a little bit more occult. It was more occult, but like less cultish, but more cultish, if that makes any sense. <laughs> less less know. Kool-Aid. It was fun. Yeah, less Kool-Aid, but at the same time a little more Kool-Aid. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Different class. Nice. That is the final thoughts. Those were our final thoughts. Hushlings, we got we got something to say to you directly to the Hushlings. Thank you so much for helping us reach over 5,000 plays. This is a huge milestone for us, and we really appreciate yeah, we it. We love you. Every one of you. Thank you. Super stoked about it. You guys really have made this show amazing, and the reception to it has been more than we ever imagined. So uh, thank you, Hushlings. You guys rock. I'm going to cry. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you won't? No balls? <laughs> yeah. Shed a tear right now. Don't be a bitch. And Hushlings, if you haven't already, join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We like memes. We also have a TikTok, which we've lost a little steam, but we'll pump some hot water into that into that vessel. Actually, actually, update update on TikTok. Uh, we magically got like another twenty five followers from literally nothing. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. So, so we're we're up over a hundred now. Yeah, hundred people find us interesting. Maybe instead of me going on a little. Okay. Uh, a little dreams skateboarding session. I'll I'll maybe go on a hike, <laughs> and you guys can see me up atop of atop a mountain, and I'll do a little TikTok selfieing with my nice. my beautiful pasty gray bluish complexion. Should be really good. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Hushlings, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our audio is uh, for every debriefing up into this one. As Dave said at the beginning of the show, Declassified Discussions is making a transformation. We're going to do more interviewing with authors and proctologists, uh, different varying ladies of the night, just 
more uh more insight into the ufo phenomenon we have some things lined up we have some uh guests that may surprise you uh so stay tuned to that and we also have our cryptid chronicles we are sorry that we didn't get as many cryptid chronicles out this season we ran into some issues with audio but stay tuned we will have more promise promise we're hoping to get you our mothman episode with Yami from Cryptid Chat Girl out within mm-hmm. the next week and a half. So in between season two and three, you can still hear our sweet voices. Yeah, it was a good episode. I really enjoyed that one. Hushlings, we got to remind you. You got you to gotta peep the drip. <laughs> you can find us at hushhushsociety.bigcartel.com. And there you will find our whole collection of dapper drippage. Not only can you find the drip that will keep you warm and keep you comfortable and keep you looking fresh and fly, but you can find mugs. And let me tell you, I am I am a coffee addict and coffee tastes better in these mugs. <laughs> you got you gotta peep it. You gotta peep it. Stay fresh, stay fly. And hushlings join us for our season premiere of season three. Debriefing 21, which is our 420 episode. We're going to be talking about 420. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to be talking about cannabis conspiracies and that is going to be available for everyone April 19th, also a Monday, nothing's changing. So we will see you all in 3 weeks and if you listen in a week and a half, you'll see us. We'll be talking cryptids, mothy, mothy goodness. Thank you guys for tuning in to this show, our second live show. We can't wait for our third live show, which is actually going to be on our year anniversary of our show, which is super, super exciting. So thank you all again for making season two and season one. Amazing. 20 debriefings. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mr. Mike. And I'm Sluke Franksen. Thank you all for joining us at the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. No more Nazis, no more Nazis, no more Nazis, no more Nazis. Hans, Ah, lower the balloon. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.